This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Modern Geek Podcast number 62, recorded October 22nd, 2012. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek. Ah, Modern Geek number 62. You know, this is becoming my favorite part of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially since I see that first item on the list. Um, yeah. Halo 4. Yes. Yes. And uh, th- this is, we we actually talked about this a little bit on the uh, main GWC podcast. Okay. This is, what we didn't talk about was a lot is the fact that this is the first n- post-Bungie Halo. That's true. Yeah. This is, this is like the departure from the normal, uh, the, the, the guys that had done it before. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it either way. It looks like I've watched the trailers and it looks to be pretty good. Um, it's coming out on what? November 6th, right? Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. I think you're that's right. That's just, that's just a couple of weeks from now. One thing that I thought was kind of funny and had a little bit of a geek angle to it though, is that they were tracking down who had got a hold of copies already oh, and yeah? were playing them online <laughs> and permanently banned their Xbox live accounts. Wow. Including all DLC that they had, any Microsoft points, gamer score, everything. They're like, um, yeah, you stole our game, so get off forever. You know what? Okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that because yeah. there, there are a couple of, of, of things that I've heard about that lately. And I see, I see you have uh, actually an Amazon item on the list down here a little bit farther. But, yep. you know, uh, this morning I saw a story from a person who, uh, now for what it's worth, is in the Netherlands. And I have not had a chance to check to see what else might be going on, if maybe indeed there was more to this than what they claim. I'm not sure I I really care in the long run once. Well, let me just tell you about it. So essentially, this woman gets an email from Amazon that says, uh, you know, your account, we've discovered that your account is uh, belongs to someone who has created an account previously that has had fraud related. So we have permanently closed your account. Okay. And, uh, so, of course, she looks at it and is like, well, hey, you know, this doesn't sound like the kind of thing. There's probably a screw up, right? Yeah. Now, the big thing is, is apparently she's a big uh, Kindle user. And in closing the account, of course, the Kindle gets wiped. Right. So literally, oh. not only is her account closed, but every book that she owns is gone. That's not good. Yeah. So she uh, she con- she emails. They they say uh, according to her, she emails and gets an email back that says we've looked into it. Uh, we don't believe you. Your account is is permanently closed. There's nothing else you can do. She emails back and says, "Can you at least tell me what's going on? I don't have any other accounts. Uh, you know, I don't know what to do with this." Response being, "Nope." Ah. Now. Of course, as people said in comments, you know, you could certainly escalate this, and I'm guessing that's exactly what she'll do. And if indeed she is uh, not, has not done anything, and we don't, you know, find out that, oh, well, yeah, my kid did something a little while back, or, you know, my my friend did this, and it wasn't me, or something like that, right? Uh, Then then in all likelihood, she's probably going to be able to figure this out. On the other hand, I'm not sure that whether she's guilty or not is really that important, I, I think to us anyway, I mean, obviously to her it is and to Amazon, but uh, to us, I mean, this shows you what happens when you move to a system that is number one, DRM'd, yep. is number two, uh, essentially everything that you have, I'm making big, big, big finger quotes here, bought, um, and and actually I shouldn't call these finger quotes, I should call them the, uh, what one of my professors calls them, the scare quotes, Right. Yeah, these are uh, if you've bought these things, the truth is you have not. And it seems like you've bought them. It feels very much like you bought them from all practical purposes and perspectives. It feels just like I bought a digital book. I got the digital book. I'm reading it. There's really no difference. I bought some of them because it was easier or cheaper or I wanted a digital copy. 
Uh, it seemed yep. like a good thing. But the truth of the matter is here, you're not buying anything. You and, are leasing something that is literally uh, only good to you as long as they decide it is good to you. And that not ne- is not necessarily just because of, like, say, this, this instance where maybe her account was hacked or somebody put, opened something in her name and did some malicious stuff with it. It can be for something as simple as blackout dates. There was a, uh, uh, an article I have linked um, uh, that I... Uh, that from the consumerist where one of their readers had said that they uh, went on the Amazon uh, store and purchased uh, Puss in Boots, the movie right for 1499. Right. And uh, the Amazon marketing says, you know, buy it once and watch it whenever you want. Right. Yeah. Right. Then she goes to watch it on her TV and it turns out that if you want to watch it on a TV, Oh, I'm sorry. The people who own Puss in Boots have a blackout for that. So, um, you temporarily it's temporarily unavailable because i guess maybe there was a marketing campaign going on or something like that where they wanted to sell dvds or or it could be for those vod deals that they make that you know we're going to be the only people that have it on dv or on tvs at the time or all these cable deals or that kind of stuff and she basically got locked out of watching this movie she quote purchased and that's the problem is that when you're putting money towards DRM content or or to content that requires, well, I guess it's DRM as well, content that requires an online connection, you really don't have that at all. You, you, you And you get screwed over like this. You know, yeah, I, I think this alone is, is worthy of some serious discussion here because mm. I, I really think we've, I have a couple of ways I could imagine this going forward, you know? Like, on one hand, I could imagine this going forward exactly like it is, but with some kind of, in various countries, of course, and it would differ everywhere, um, some kind of oversight. You know, we if, if we're going to operate this way and people are going to buy things based upon this idea that somehow they're going to buy them, uh, but they're not going to be the ones that hold them or they're not going to hold all the rights to them. Right. I, I suspect that in the end, we're going to have to see some sort of legislation to make this uh, make some sense, you know? Well, and, and one of the big problems that this points out as well is is having all of your content licensed under a single ID. And if you lose and if something, I mean, sure, the people going back to the Halo thing that bought that, that, that started playing Halo before for Halo four before it was released. Sure, they did something wrong. But does that mean that, say, they've put. $900 into DLC. Does it mean that they lose all that as well? I mean, I'm yeah, sure in the terms of service somewhere it says, you know, if you do anything wrong on our network, everything that you've put towards it is forfeit. But should it be like that? Exactly. And and I think, you know, I suspect that the way this if we continue down this path, the way this will play out uh, will probably be that there will be test cases. You know, someone they'll do right. that to someone and then someone will come along. I, I really, I'm not sure. I, I feel like on one hand, we, we really kind of need cloud storage for this type of thing. The idea of storing the things you can buy at home is just not practical for most people. It's well, just, a, it can't be it. done, I mean, you know? I mean, you, you and I have put some forethought into how we want to uh, preserve our digital right, lives. Right. And we have more space free than most people have total. <laughs> yeah. But it's not easy. It's not easy. Nor it takes cheap. a lot of work. It's, it's not cheap and it is not painless. And that's all the things that cloud services do well. It's cheap. It's easy. It's painless. You can access it anywhere. There's no... I mean, you you don't have to compile a Linux kernel to uh, to use Amazon cloud services, um, and that's the and that's the problem. And I mean, this goes to every level. I mean, did you see the outages today? Uh, Reddit, um, all all of these other services, um, uh, Reddit, GitHub, Heroku, Imager, Turntable, Airbnb, MongoLab, all of these services were out because EC Amazon EC two went down. Well, and and you know that's going to happen. I mean, but that's, that's I just mean, from outage. Reddit's perspective, their outage. Um, who's responsible for that? I, I don't know. I, I think that's maybe going a little off tra- uh, track there. But 
the, there are dangers to having everything in the cloud and to having everything. Well, yeah, but I mean, come on, your your website going down is something that's always been a possibility. And I think the fact that it's news that Amazon EC2 went down is is probably a testament to the fact that Amazon EC2 doesn't go down very often. But, well, yeah. <laughs> but in, in terms of that, Reddit would be responsible for their lost revenue, not Amazon. And that's well, because... Yeah, and no, no kidding. I mean, there comes a point where, I mean, you've got to imagine that... I mean, if there was an accident on the highway and you couldn't ship your product from one place to another, should the, the highway department pay pay you? I mean, I, I'm not sure how that works, but um, I kind of get the feeling that that's something that's contractual and pretty easy to handle, though. Like most yeah. contracts have a guarantee or not guarantee of uptime and limits on that. And people shop based on, I know we do, shop based on those. We, <laughs> we probably don't shop the same way like Reddit does, but... I mean, no. like we're looking at it more like hmm, we can afford to have a little bit of downtime. Let's get let's get something cheap that we can. <laughs> well, and 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 going back to what we were originally talking about, I'm sure that from a legal perspective, there's a very line in the sand reason for Halo Four users getting their entire Xbox profile yeah, gone. Here's but that's the, because there's a 65 page uh, terms of service that nobody reads. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying I think the difference between those two, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the difference between those two scenarios is important, right? Like, right. at least here in America, I mean, and a lot of people like to call it the nanny state or something. But quite honestly, I love the fact that. Uh, that there are required building safety inspections and so on. And that when I go into a building, it's probably not going to burn down just because it has aluminum wiring or something because it's a little well, cheaper. Yeah. That said, I mean, I, I so I like that part. I mean, if you want to call that nanny state, I'm all about it. Bring on the nanny, you know. Uh, but there are limits to that. And, and this is, I think, one of those things where, like, for example, I know we have laws here, and I don't know, you probably do too, but we have laws here about uh, bait and switch, right? Like, you can't right. advertise something in, uh, you know, in the newspaper, and then when people come in, not actually have any of them and say, well, you know, we don't really have any of those, but hey, you could buy this, right? And and we actually have laws that say you can't do that, and if you if you do that, you can be penalized. And And the idea behind that, I think, is kind of the same thing we're looking at here, right? It's like... Yeah, you know, it's like well, a consumer has a reasonable should have a reasonable expectation that something that's portrayed to them uh, in a certain way will be at least approximately that way. Right. Well, and and also the the interesting thing that's going to start happening here is how far does that does that reach? Like, for example, I'm sure you got it as well. There was an email in my inbox this week saying that, okay, when you pick up your Windows 8 machine and you turn it on, you can sign in with your Xbox Live profile. And all of your <laughs> Windows 8 stuff, including all of, say, your personal documents and, and everything you're storing in the cloud on your Windows 8 machine and all of your apps that you purchase through the linked store, which will be not using, thankfully, not be using Microsoft points, but oh, we'll be man. using uh, actual currency Thank, interpretation. Come on, <laughs> people. I mean, really? I mean, what is this? Is this the county fair or is this like, you know? What's a dollar worth? 80. 80 what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you it's, can't. It's, uh, but the thing is, it's like, okay, so say you've got your Windows 8 machine that you use for your home finances, and then it's linked b for convenience to your Xbox. And you pirated Halo 4. Which your kid uses, and yeah. then suddenly does some bad things and gets themselves a ban for, you know, I don't know, yeah, racist absolutely. speech or something like that. Does that mean that your Windows 8 machine stops working? We're going to this place where everything is connected. Like the um, the blogger that... that they got into his Google account, which let them get onto his Twitter account, which led them get into his Apple account, and then all of his devices were wiped, including pictures of his kid. Yeah, I remember um, that for the first year. That was a few months ago, and that, that's that, that's the inherent problem with this. Is that there's these single points of failure in the cloud that you know you. It's convenient, but you may also want to you know think about that. Maybe think wipe. about that. Yeah. yeah, if if all of your photos are on your Mac and backed up to iCloud, that's still only a single point of failure. So you may want to try something different, like maybe picking up some kind of online backup subscription or an external drive that you don't keep connected or something like that. It's funny how reliant we are on these services and really don't understand how badly they could screw us over. Well, I am interested in how this plays out because I, I really feel oh, yeah. like... Um, 
I have always been a little bit nervous with buying Kindle books. And ever yeah. since the, the first time that I really kind of thought, hmm, uh, was when they changed their agreement. I can't remember which book it was. It was it was a sci-fi book, right? Uh, an old sci-fi book. I can't remember what it was. You know what it was? What was it? 1984. Oh, yeah, right. That was awesome. Yeah, indeed. The, that was, that was I, like so good. Too. The, the irony, right? Yeah. But yeah, so so you know, nineteen eighty four, they they lost the rights to it, and all of a sudden, you know, they literally re- now, admittedly, they refunded it. Yeah. Uh, so you can't really essentially you got a free loan of the book for a long time. Could be worse, but but that kind of caught me. I was like, hmm, you know, maybe there's something to the fact that um, uh, that they can do that. I think the answer is not in in, in and I totally reserve my right the right to change my mind on this. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think the answer is not no cloud. Like the answer is no, not. I, no, that's can't, that can't work at this point. You, we need the cloud for this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, for for video, people just can't realistically store it. For uh, for books, I think it comes down to a matter of come on. I mean, it is a big time, huge, awesome advantage to be able to say, hey, you know, I bought another Kindle. Uh, go ahead and download my stuff to it. Done. And you know what? At this point, is that. If, if people are pirating books, they're pirating books. The DRM on a Kindle file yeah. is not what's stopping people. They, what, what Amazon really does need to do is for the stuff where the, 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 they have to get rid of the, some of this DRM. Like, I mean, they, uh, Apple pushed some major boundaries when they did it with MP3s. And, and that, that was, uh, or AAC or whatever, right? When they, when they went unencrypted. And that was, that was amazing. When, and doesn't seem like any of these other digital industries are going that way. I mean, the only time that I've ever, when I've, you know, actually been able to purchase an online video and download it is like when, um, like uh, Aziz Ansari's uh, stand-up special. He had it independently offered off of his own site, five bucks, and you get an MP4 that's unencrypted. Nice. That was like, awesome. Done. (laughs) Yeah, uh, five bucks and it's unencrypted. I just like hit buy right then. I just, I love supporting that kind of stuff, but it's only these kind of indie shops that seem to be doing it. And I think we need a little bit more mainstream acceptance of of uh, unencrypted. I almost think that what I would that what I would love to see is a system that is very much like the Kindle system now, you know, and and these rental systems, but with you know, it's some oversight with some legislation that essentially says, hey, look, you know, if you sell a product, uh, you can't you can't put out a 75 page, you know, terms of agreement, you know, terms of uh, of, of uh, you, you know, user agreement that essentially says that you're not really selling what you appear by all rights to be selling. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. When when the legal term has to have a two page definition of what buy means, then then, then yeah, that, you're you're probably pushing you're kind of over. off track at that point. And and I think maybe the way this happens, like I started to say earlier, maybe the way this plays out is that uh, uh, these people who pirated Halo Four uh, pony up. One of them gets pissed off really big and ponies up and and sues the crap out of Microsoft and says, "Hey, you know, you're absolutely right. Banning me from Halo Four, I get that." Uh, but you can't just take all of my purchases over the last, you know, three years and say, well, all of that's contingent on whatever you decide is a reason right. to either. Well, that, especially since it's starting to spill over into music and movies and stuff with like the Xbox live uh, stores and stuff that they've been merging all the Bing stuff together. And right. It starts to become a real problem and not just like, oh, well, we banned his gaming. Well, it's not just his gaming anymore. It's. Yeah, part and, of an entire chunk of your digital life, and either you don't connect any of them together, which is dumb, or you do connect them together, and you accept that you're probably going to have to operate at a more reasonable level. In the meantime, <laughs> which can be dumb as well. <laughs> absolutely. So we yeah. have two dumb solutions to a. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I like I said. I mean, I'm. It makes me even more nervous. Again, I think that you know, if you're Amazon, the way you look at this is that, uh, if you look at the comments on that blog and I linked it in the show notes here, so you can see it. Um, if you look at the comments, the first thing everybody says is, Oh yeah, I know exactly how to remove the DRM. And the first thing I do whenever I buy an Amazon book is remove the DRM and store it so that they can't screw me. And you're like, wow, you know, 
maybe you ought to take a look at how you approach these things. Well, and 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 there's actually some some argument for uh, if if these firms release the the content without DRM but tag it like how iTunes does, mm. then people who are choosing to buy like take stuff off the store and pirate it. It's actually an easier way to uh, to maybe track some of the stupider people down. I, you know, I use the word stupider to describe stupid people, but hmm. um, <laughs> but you know, if it's like, oh, it's just an MP3, I can upload it to Frostwire or whatever, right? And and maybe catch some of these people in the act because you've got digital tagging on there, not digital uh, restrictions. I just um, get the feeling there actually are benefits to doing it the other way. <laughs> yeah, I I just you know. You're right about uh, iTunes, you know, and of course they don't do it with books. Um, but mm, but yeah. what iTunes did was really revive the industry. You know, we had an industry that was dying due to digital music, and it went from dying due to digital music to booming due to digital music, yeah, largely because of iTunes. I, Says I mean, the man I mean, who never has bought anything from iTunes ever, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 backed up by the the man who has bought all of his music through iTunes. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting discussion, you know. Just to yeah. point out oh, where but, we're coming but, from here. By the way, I'd like to throw out a question to our audience here, um, specifically our Canadian users, um, because my iPhone four is getting a little long in the tooth. In probably around four to six months, I'm probably going to look at upgrading to another phone. And I'm starting to try to look at some of the uh, the Android solutions. The only problem is, is that a lot of the music I buy is incidental, one song at a time through my iPhone, oh. and I just go to iTunes. There's no Amazon MP3 store in Canada, and if you try to use the American one, it says, "Nope, sorry, no." <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp. Just, just won't work. And I, I can't for the life of me find another digital music store in Canada. It's just iTunes. I, I don't know if it's if there really is a monopoly up here, but I can't find anything. So if anybody has come across digital music in Canada that they didn't that they were able to purchase through something else other than iTunes, I still want to stay legit with the music purchases. Something I could tie my an Android device into, or or even just even just to try out, even any other service. Let me know, please, because I have. I, I, I was shocked to find that there was only one solution for Canadians. Ouch. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> not really. I mean... Yeah, it's not weird for Canada, actually. You are looking to buy something other than, you know, second season of Corner Gas. Yeah, yeah. I, I already have shirt one, shirt two, and season three of Corner Gas, so the Amazon store is of no use to me. <laughs> it's so rough. It's just not it's, right. It's terrible. You know what? That's that's. I think it's interesting that you bring that up too, though, because that very much exposes the reasoning behind the problems with Amazon, which is that it's not entirely Amazon. It's not that like Amazon is sitting there going, "I want your balls in a vice." You know, it's more like <laughs> it's your country saying, "I want your balls." No, in a no. Vice. <laughs> actually, it's to get that to get that content. They're having to make weirder and weirder and weirder yeah. agreements. And on one hand, we're trying to prevent them from becoming a monopoly by, uh, you know, by allowing other people to make demands of them individually, which is good. But then again, on that on that second hand, uh, everybody's making individual demands. And, and that's why you have one person that says, well, people can watch this on alternate Sundays, but not, you know, uh, not days starting with an S. And and on the other hand, you have you know, you know what I'm saying. It's like you've, yep. you've got all these weird weirdo requirements, and you end up with a situation like 1984 with the you know the book where they lose their licensing. Or again, yep. and my my reasoning behind bringing that you know tying that to what you said is, I mean, that's why things are so screwed up across the border is that the laws are different, and yep. trying to make them interface just makes things weird. Well, yeah, and I mean, with Canada, it's an entirely different uh, setup. Like for movies and TV shows, it's not the uh, it's not the production houses; it's the uh, it's the broadcast distributors that have the rights to to the digital sales. It's it's all over the place. It's it's a completely yeah. different model up here, which makes it weird, and and it just kind of all goes out the window. Which means that generally we're about you know thirty six months behind digital progress in the U.S. You know, and in in this case, even farther. 
Yeah, or like, uh, you know, music rights or likeness rights or all the various rights that you have to yeah. get in store are different in every country. So it's not uncommon to see uh, something like the situation with Daria here where you'll just never see the light of day because of, you know, a limitation. Then, yeah. And then again, if it was done in the UK and then released in the UK, it would be fine. Yeah, uh, or if, and again, you know, if you're uh, Top Gear, I'm sure they had to figure that out, you know, but like, I, I don't understand it all, but I know that the laws differ. And these are even countries that generally want to respect intellectual property and make it work, you know? Everybody's trying, and in, in, like, the rules are effectively roughly similar in Canada and the UK and the US in terms of, you know, not being able to just steal things and claim them as your own. Yeah. Uh, that's not even talking about places that don't respect that. <laughs> And how you deal with that. So, Yeah, and, and there's, there's cracks in each system. Like I was reading an article this week where uh, an independent music artist had all his entire collection ripped off by someone else who then published it on iTunes. And because he wasn't part of a major label, they wouldn't even talk to him. Right. So his music is being pirated. His, his pirate iTunes. music is being sold by iTunes. <laughs> Damn. And, and there's nothing he can do about it. He's just like, well, okay, I'm not part of, uh, you know, I'm not one of the major studios so there i have no recourse here and these super mega companies that really don't they have a lot of infrastructure and no real recourse to the little person you know it's like with the youtube stuff we were talking about the takedowns and that kind of stuff there's no actually there's I no had recourse for the little man with one of those oh really absolutely yeah uh one what of happened? the a, a very old toolmonger video has an intro that is actually custom recorded in my studio it's not even okay. sample based. Okay. Right? And uh and I, I I would say under most uh opinions that would be yours. Yeah. And a second one that is sample based, entirely entirely built out of uh free for use samples out of uh out of uh Apple's soundtrack. Again, should be yours. Yeah. yeah, both of them tagged and identified placing ads on my stuff. And uh and and Claiming rights to my video. Collecting your revenue. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to the fact where I'm tempted to shut them down. Just know? turn them off. Yeah. yeah, turn them off. Move yeah, somewhere I'm else. It's very frustrating. I mean, there's no system to, to uh, literally somebody just. Well, and, and, and that's the problem. Even the, even the parts of the system they do have in place don't work properly. Like I've my, my YouTube channel for my Minecraft playthroughs. I've had videos that have been under review since day one, and that was like what late August. Yeah, I mean, or literally, people are uploading Apple samples and calling them theirs and Their going out yep. and claiming stuff. Yeah, and, uh, that, we we talked about this like a year yeah, ago absolutely. with that one guy that was taking classical recordings. Sure, which basically all sound the same because, um, in ter- I mean, in other than the some minutia that it's supposed to, it's supposed to be a recreation of a performance and. And just saying, oh, yeah, that's mine. And just getting all these videos taken down or muted, which. Uh, yeah. So rough, huh? Yeah. And <clears throat> speaking of rough, <laughs> there was one weird. other thing I wanted to bring up here. Um, Windows 8 and the whole Windows RT release is happening in this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Surface, uh, I believe it's coming out on the 26th which should be just a couple days after, uh, after this podcast airs. Nice. Um, the, the thing I wanted to bring up is kind of the answers to the questions of, well, what's the difference between Windows 8 and Windows RT? Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, we were, um, we were kind of a little wrong on, on the pricing of these products. The, okay. uh, the, Windows, the, the low-end Windows RT tablet, the uh-huh. Surface, right. without the keyboard... 500 bucks hmm. 32 oh. gig 32 gig storage interesting yeah and then it's another hundred for the the soft keyboard and then another hundred hundred for increased memory and then i think another hundred for the the touch keyboard so clearly they're not targeting the low end uh no they, they said market. that they're, they're going to price the intel version of it right in the ultrabook range which is about a thousand to thirteen hundred interesting yeah, so it's 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 kind of not where we thought it would be in the market. However, these are going to start showing up on shelves for for the kind of Christmas rush here. And the thing to know about these ones that are not that that don't say Windows 8 but say Windows RT or ARM 
they will only be running software found in the Windows App Store. So and if you have any old programs that you're trying to bring forward, you can't upgrade to this, this version. You can't upgrade to RT. You can't bring any programs that you already have with you. It's only going to be apps that you can get through the App Store. So that's something to consider. Uh, I mean, there's other third-party vendors that are going to be releasing possibly cheaper versions of, of RT tablets and laptops. But, you know, if, if, if you're only using it for Internet or apps that you've heard advertised in the new Windows App Store, then that's for you. But otherwise, you're going to have to go with a Windows 8 box. Not to mention, if you're thinking about doing that and... Uh and you're going to pay $500 for a tablet, you should probably sit down and rethink that. You can probably get a $500 uh, something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't so. know. I mean, if it comes out and it's the coolest thing since sliced bread, man, who knows? Maybe everybody will be jumping at that. But I, I, have heard, I have heard from many different people, like, here's my opinion of what's going to happen with the release of Windows 8 and Everywhere from it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread and it's going to be the worst thing since a, a garbage can full of garbage and poo. <laughs> okay. so <laughs> You know, it's, 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 there's a wide range. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens. But, you know, just, just be certain that if you're buying a Windows RT tablet, you are buying into the online cloud app service. Like you're buying into that entire thing where you're, you know, yeah, you're, I, you're not you're not bringing your old copies of Duke Nukem 3D along with you. <laughs> you know, I I think this advice of whatever you do, don't pre-order. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. It, the market is so weird right now that it's like let's leave it a few weeks and see what happens. Good, good call. Hey, you know, uh, I we got to talk for a minute about the uh, podcast the uh, Apple Podcasts app. We've been, yeah. people have been asking us a lot about it. And admittedly, uh, I have been so run down with school that I haven't had time to spend with it. And I, but I did spend a little time with it. I know you have too. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and in, in iOS on general, uh, as we get into this, there is one thing I wanted people to go into on their iOS devices and just be aware of. Um, if you go into settings, general about, and, uh, crap, I lost it now. <laughs> it's under legal. Or, sorry, advertising. There's a tab in there. Limit ad tracking, which you would think would show up in the privacy tab, but doesn't. It shows up under about for some stupid reason. Holy crap, um, really? Limit ad tracking is off by default in iOS 6. Okay, where is this again? Uh, okay, at- go into your settings app. Uh-huh. Go to about. Okay. Scroll down all the way to the bottom. And then click on the advertising menu. Limit ad tracking is set to off by default, which what that means is that it'll have a little service that runs in the background that kind of just keeps track of what your internet usage is and sells it to uh, to people. Wow. Yeah. So there's one. <laughs> You'd think that it would show up under privacy, but it doesn't. Um, that is not a good thing. Oh. No, they're hiding it. I mean, there is no reason to put it under about. Yeah, that is, I agree. And it's for the iPhone and iPad and iPod Touch. So just, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't recommend either way to turn it on or off. I leave it on, I leave, you know, limit tracking to on so that way it doesn't track me um, because I, I would rather not be just siphoning my personal data out all the time. But it's just something that people should be aware of that the default is to let them track. I think it's just like internet usage, like URLs that you go to and that kind of thing. Right. Um, but, you know, hey, <laughs> just be aware of it either way. <laughs> so, okay, uh, the podcast, podcast app. app. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I went in and did an extensive kind of walkthrough on both the, I- on the iPhone and the iPad. And I ran in, and this is coming from Instacast. Mm-hmm. I ran into too many... Bro- too many uh, roadblocks to even consider using it. Now, I, I think from a standpoint, I have kind of a weird take. Maybe okay. I'm I'm not a, I'm a podcast listener, but I'm not a heavy user. Like I don't. I, I guess I kind of listen to what's convenient. I don't I don't listen to everyone or or, or cue them or you know what I'm saying. So I don't use a lot of advanced features. Um, okay. 
I found that the podcast app, like Instacast, I mean, it was usable. I could use it. I could listen to podcasts. It was okay. Um, that said, all the things that you note that uh, that I, I know you're going to walk through here, every one I agree with. Okay. Like every one of those happened to me. Yeah. The, the, the first one I would want to get out of the way because it's actually a, the same problem I have with Instacast is the sync doesn't seem to work right. Yeah. True. Uh, it doesn't keep track of the sync. Or the, actually, I turned off sync between my iPad and my iPhone and remove and put only video subscriptions on my iPad and only audio subscriptions on my iPhone. And I'm a, having a lot more fun with it now. I did that, too, um, right before I deleted the app and everything with it from my iPad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the, the problem is um, the sync. I mean, if you tr- start listening to it on one side, it doesn't keep track and doesn't update it properly on the other side. Right. Uh, the red counts are wrong. Um, I actually had a crash quite a number of times on both the iPad and the iPhone. Um, and I don't normally have my apps crash, so a little less crashy on the uh, on on the four S maybe, but uh, right, I yeah for yeah I do have an iPhone four, so it might. But yeah. it did crash. I got it to crash once. Okay, okay. So yeah, I, I, I over the span of about an hour, I got it to crash three or four times. <laughs> ouch. Um, there, uh, it's it's a minor annoyance. There's no skip forward button. <laughs> Dope. Um, which I guess is you know probably because they don't want people skipping over ads or something like that. But it actually actually it, it's kind of more of that that quick time interface where there's like the pause fast uh, fast forward to the end button and then the rewind thirty seconds button. Right. There's there's no forward thirty seconds or anything. So that's not not the most ideal thing. Um, when I subscribed to a new podcast, there was no delete all feature to get rid of the backlog. Right, and for something like Smodcast, which keeps their RSS feed updated all the way to Podcast One, hmm. um, yeah, I kind of gave up on that. Um, normally, what I do is when I'm done with the podcast, I just swipe to delete. Makes sense, but you'd have to do that for all of the podcasts backlogged. So that's something they could do with you know, like delete all old ones or something like that, or an auto cleanup like, or something like, like Instacast, Instacast has. has. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, you pull down and it gets rid of the ones that are <laughs> gone. Yeah. That's nice. Um, the unplayed interface that gives you a playlist of the episodes you haven't right. watched. It's in reverse order from newest to oldest, which the whole point of something of an unplayed list would probably be that you'd want to get caught up on something. Mm. So it's backwards. You can customize it on a per podcast level, like you can switch the order back and forth. But that main unplayed podcasts interface is backwards, in my opinion. Um, and the, you know what the, these are all kind of nitpicky feature. Yeah, but you put them all that together. Fix. No, the the one really big one, and I I I'm not sure if I'm just completely stupid and missed it, but there is no way to add a podcast that's not listed in iTunes. Yeah, that could be an issue. That's a problem. Um, I mean, for example, we have a super feed on our on our website that has a list of all of the podcasts. If you want to subscribe to everything that we do, you can subscribe to our all podcast feed and you get everything in a big mega list. It's not the, the most elegant way of doing it, but it is a way it works. Um, it works. Yes. <laughs> but that would be a feed that you couldn't add in the podcast app. And I, I, I don't know. It's just that the, the sorry, you have to be in our environment no matter the fact of whether it's easy to get in there or not, it's just still uh, grates on me the you wrong know, way. You know what? And here's the ki- here's the kicker. Okay, I I agree. I think on the other hand, if they manage to create a uh, you know a system that if you were entirely within their you know within their world, yep. it worked great. It would be yeah. really tempting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it's not that way. What they're but saying is, is you've got to stay in our system. And oh, by the way, it doesn't really, we don't really offer any advantage for being in our system in terms of like, hey, it syncs your red across correctly or, you, you know, where you are in the current. Like, I mean, just, just be straight. If the podcast app, for example, would sync very accurately what you've played, what you haven't, where you are in the podcast, you know, yep. uh, Across all your devices, including your your uh, you know desktop, laptop, uh, uh, iTunes, and 
you know, and it allowed you to sort them and create playlists and create smart playlists, and you could import whatever you wanted just like in iTunes. If you could yep. do that and it crashed every once or twice, maybe, you'd be using this. Well, that's it exactly. And, <laughs> and who knows? Maybe they'll get there, you know? Maybe that's yeah, where they're headed. There's some other nitpicky stuff, like show me the album artwork instead of a tape deck. That's true. <laughs> really don't need a tape deck. And people, you know, chances are half the people that are using the podcast app won't even know what that image is. <laughs> what What is this line with a bunch of rollers on it? Like, That's I don't get it. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tape is, I mean, tape is very, uh, very old. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, I know some of our listeners are, are very hardcore podcast listeners and, mm-hmm. and listen uh, in certain ways and use some of these advanced features. And I would love to hear uh, in voicemail or email if you're not comfortable with voicemail, but I'd love voicemail so we could play it, uh, what you think of the podcast app, or for that matter, uh, Instacast or whatever it is you use. I'd love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. 214-296-9229. That's correct. We do have some feedback this week. We do. Um, I, we got an amazing amount of feedback from, uh, from our listeners from our conversation last week about the, <laughs> the whole Microsoft stuff that's going on here. Nice. Um, I, 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 I handpicked a few out here. Um, uh, first of all, uh, a quick kind of uh, errata to follow up on the, uh, the Kindle Paperwhite discussion. Ah, yes. Um, we got this from Aaron, uh, who says, the Kindle Paperwhite doesn't have a backlight. It's an edge-lit bezel light. Ah, okay. Which okay. is kind of makes it a little cooler because then it's kind of like a Kindle e-paper with a with one of those little swing arm lights on it, but built in. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's cool. I that actually kind of interesting because if it's still pretty small, I mean that'd yeah. be cool if you could turn it off. You know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I'm still seeing articles that are crapping on it about the battery. Um, then again, yeah, if, if you can turn it off in, in decent lighting conditions and just use it as a Kindle. Yeah, if it's like can, an old Kindle normally, but you can turn yeah. this light on, that's kind of cool. That, then, then that's like a great upgrade. Um, and he, he kind of reinforces this like, you know, Am- Amazon's really about, um, he, he seems to think that, you know, they, they don't think they'll be abandoning e-ink for a while. So as long as there's a market for selling books to people who don't want to read it on an iPad or their phone, Kindle will keep making the classic Kindle. And I think I would agree with that. Nice. Um, we got another one here uh, from Jake, who was talking a little bit about uh, Microsoft's uh, conversion to this uh, Apple-like uh, model. Right. He says, I just got finished listening to the latest modern geek. Considering your discussion on Microsoft work uh, on its brand image, for lack of a better term, I was curious if you'd seen the Microsoft store yet. I rarely go into the mall. Uh, I tend to get claustrophobic in crowds, but I did happen to kind of wander into the uh, where the Apple, I thought the Apple store was, and uh, I was halfway into where it used to be before I realized it had changed, and the Microsoft store looked exactly like the Apple store. <laughs> so what happened is his mall replaced an Apple store with a Microsoft store, and he didn't notice. It was um, the only thing that changed was logo. The clerks were even dressed in the same ID badges and blue shirts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. Ouch. It's like uh, he, he, he equates it to the, uh, the Jay and Silent Bob uh, strike back quote uh, from Chris Rocks. Steve Jobs going to sue somebody. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, so well, hey, it, you can't argue. That kind of reinforces, yeah, kind of reinforces. Hey, their speaking kind of, of that, uh, uh, speaking of that software, when we were talking about software licensing, yep. Um, I, I got to tell you, I, I sprung for the Adobe Creative Cloud license. Oh, you did awesome! I okay. did. Uh, they have a student deal. If you are a student <laughs> right now, that is incidentally, <laughs> holy crap! Yeah, it's like twenty bucks a month for a year commitment for everything i mean every damn product they make so that's like the full creative so it's it's like the master like photoshop suite. premiere uh, illustrator all, all that crap master suite yeah wow yeah and you get to okay, use that's it. cool and it, it, the way it works in case you're wondering on the mac because I, I was fascinated by this is that you uh you you authenticate your account it, it downloads an installer okay the, the installer is uh then at any point you can open up the adobe application manager it's called and it's an it's an adobe air app in case you're wondering yeah uh, go figure <laughs> yeah imagine that right yeah and uh so you open it up and it it checks and looks at the machine and then it shows you all of the damn apps 
and you say, I want this one. <laughs> and you're logged in with your Creative Cloud account, so it knows you can have them. And literally, right, you and just, then you like just pull Photoshop down. You click the button, and it puts Photoshop on your computer. You click the button, and it puts my first one, Acrobat, on your computer. Wow. And uh, that's, it's, it's real yeah. clean. It's really clean. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Is it? It's not not too crufty or anything. Well, I it's it's a hell of a lot better than say going going uh, out and finding each individual one and downloading the trial and then going mm. through some process to authenticate it. Instead, you're authenticated into the application manager, and it installs them pre set up. Yeah, like that, that's a really good way of doing it. I would have thought it might have been something different. Like for example, when I, I bought the uh, for my YouTube channel, I bought the uh, Sony's Imagination Studio Four, mm-hmm. which is like the um, the prosumer versions of all like their Vegas and all those apps. Um, and what they did is, when I purchased it, then they said, "Okay, well, here's each individual download and all the p- bonus packs and stuff that come with this. You have to download each one and then all the keys, and then when you install them, there's like this authentication process that connects. And it it is kind of it's a little it's a little bit annoying to have to walk through that step, you know, like five or six different times because there's that many apps. So it, it's it sounds like it, Adobe's got the right idea by just saying, "Okay, you're authenticated. Here's your app." Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, like just out of interest for, for my 20 and this is incidentally, this is 50 or 75 a month, uh, without the student discount. I mean, just anybody, right. Uh, right. Except you, of course. Um, <laughs> anybody but Juan. <laughs> I'm not, actually, that's a good point. I'm not sure if it's available. You should check because, uh, oh, man. <laughs> but seriously, Photoshop, After Effects, Premiere Pro, InDesign, uh, Flash Professional, Illustrator, Fireworks. I hate Fireworks. Uh, Muse, Dreamweaver, Audition. Audition is cool. That's the old cool edit that's been through a billion upgrades. Uh, Speed Grade for color grading. Uh, Prelude, Lightroom, Flash Builder. Flash Builder is the new mobile uh, app creator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple of the Olympics apps. Edge Animate, uh, Acrobat Pro, and uh, the plugins for touch apps. I mean, holy crap. Yeah, I'm a fan. After our discussion, it literally got me thinking about it, and I ended up going out and buying it. Actually, it looks like the deal that you got as well is is a promotional deal here. Uh-huh, it is. Um, yeah, it looks like the deal ends on November 4th, 2012. And if you like, you can order by phone. <laughs> or you can just do it online. It's very easy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, cool. So it is available up there? Oh, I clicked on the Canada version, and it did lead me to it. So Nice, good. It does look like it's available. That so might good. actually be a viable uh, option for you for Premiere and Audition and a whole bunch of other useful I'm crap. Thinking of that, yeah, that could be cool. I, I, I how schizophrenic have we been about the cloud on this episode? <laughs> Going back well, you know what? No, we're 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 saying exactly the same thing the whole time. What we're saying is we're very pro cloud. We just feel like there are some issues that have yet to be completely worked out. One yeah. of the big differences here is that Adobe is very clear that they're renting you the software. I mean, yeah. under, under no well, circumstances am I imagining that I'm buying and have use forever <laughs> of these programs. I realize I'm paying them 20 bucks. I have access to them. When my time is up or I stop paying them, uh, they're going to stop working. But the yeah. price is fine, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, it, yeah, and I, I like... Uh after our words, I went and listened through what we were talking about, and I really did like uh, the point we were talking about about having to transition to this, where it, it's it's getting into that different mindset, where it's now like a service, but then you get the benefit of having all the the updates rather than you know getting one piece of right, monolithic right. software and then getting stuck. And actually, um, uh, Tiggs Panther in the UK wrote into us about that. Um, he apparently works at a U, uh, university IT team. Uh huh. And oh, yeah, uh, I follow he, him on Twitter. He always has cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. He, he's awesome. Um, what he writes here, he says, um, he just wanted to comment. Uh, he says, on one hand, it flies firmly in the face of the buy it, install it, it keeps working mentality. Um, uh, more than it also involves various licensing mechanisms that tend to get in the way of software just working, losing sight of a licensed server, not being able to dial home frequently enough, or having a software or hardware rebuild can cause software with authentication to not work, which all makes sense. You know, you, if, if some of these stuff, if they're connected, you're, you kind of get screwed sure, over. Sure. Or if you're not connected, sorry. 
Um, the other hand is that buying it once, never upgrade, use the old version forever brings problems of its own. Uh, he says, uh, we have had people using old Windows 95 and earlier software right up to Windows XP. The software would work fine, albeit look outdated, so nobody would buy newer versions when the current one came out. As a result, when the software fails to run on Windows 7 x 64, <laughs> <laughs> there's no new compatible version as development has been long abandoned. And, uh, and the, 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 other, the other problem you run into is um, because... Um, I, we had a talk back and forth, actually. On, I had sent him an email back. The problem you run into is that IT departments that do this buy once and run forever option lose software licensing out of their annual budget. Right. So then they also get stuck by the budget department says, well, you didn't need it last year. Why do you want, you know, X a number of dollars annually now to run this? And it's and then you have to try to describe to people who aren't familiar with software licensing models why this is a good thing. <laughs> so there's there's just so many ways that this this can be a bad and a good thing and I just think it's it's great that this conversation's going on. I don't think we're anywhere close to a conclusion as to what what the optimal uh, result is. Agreed. And on that note, we've got to drop off and uh, head on to some other things, but uh, pick this up again next week. Again, as always, it's been a lot of fun. Ah, oh, this is this is one of my favorite parts of the week. This is <laughs> me too. And, and thank you so much for for everybody uh, who uh, emailed in. I know there was a couple more that that we uh, got in, but I uh, didn't, we didn't have time to get around to it. But uh, definitely, yeah, <laughs> let's keep building on this. This is this is fantastic. Indeed. Uh, well, everybody, we'll see you next week. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.